It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, gotta live diverse. It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the lens, live diverse. You are listening to The Lens Living Diverse, a podcast brought to you by the CNIB Advocacy Team. Join Nisha, Vivi, and I as we speak to individuals with intersecting identities who live with sight loss as they share their unique stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Lens, a special Black History Month edition. I am one of your hosts, Ben, joined with my wonderful, amazing co-host, Nisha. Hi, everyone. And my other amazing co-host, Vivi. Hello, everyone. As you uh, folks know, it's February, and it gives us the opportunity to celebrate uh, this special month. Uh, looking back at Black History Month and the contributions of uh, Black figures to remind us uh, where we have came from and now where we are in the present. So uh, we're going to have a wonderful discussion today, a very candid discussion between uh, the three of us. Okay, so I'm going to ask the first question. Uh, How do you feel about Black History Month? And what are your opinions about the designated month? I feel that it's important to commemorate and celebrate Black history. I think, though, that the celebrations and the commemorations should be longer than a month. Uh, The month-long designation, you know, it's a good thing in the regard that it kind of causes us all to be conscious within that time period. However, I would like to see... Black history and the study and the celebration of Black history and Black historical figures and what that's meant to Canadian identity extend throughout the year as uh, we do with the recognition of other cultures that we are are beginning to see the importance of in the Canadian context. Yeah, I agree with BV. Um, it's not enough that we celebrate it in the shortest month of the year that also happens to be the coldest month (laughs) of the year as well and uh it makes it uh very challenging to to get out there and do things because you never know especially living in toronto with the weather and sure vivi and in your yes in manitoba yeah the weather is an ever-changing thing so yeah the the motivation and the energy sometimes to take part in to participate in community events can very much be affected by the weather. And, uh, you know, when it's something so important that is, you know, um, a little sad and could be discouraging that, you know, such a big factor like weather Mm -hmm. impedes people from taking part. But I mean, it's the reality in the country that we live in. So. Right. Right. Nisha, you brought up a point that's very interesting, and I never even realized it with weather. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, here we have Black history. Um, our descendants are from Africa, the Caribbean. Uh, that's that's the motherland, like I always say in the episodes. And you're thinking that, you know, Black history, this should be during the spring or the summer so we could actually, like, truly celebrate the festivals and mm-hmm. uh the foods and while we're we're delving into our history, we could have that celebration. So 
that's actually a really good point that I, was, I, I never thought of, especially when thinking about this episode. I I definitely echo the sentiment of what uh, yourself, VV, and yourself, Nisha, are saying. I also feel that to myself, especially growing up, Black History is so new, Black History Month. So I know in previous curriculums, when I was going up to school, it was never a Black History Month. It was seldomly mentioned where, oh, it's February, let's start all these events in Black History Month and uh, do all these activities for us to learn about the past. And it probably in the last 10, I'd say 10, 12 years, 10, 15 years, that's when it was truly mentioned. So this is almost foreign to me. I always associated it with an American event. Uh, so it's it's very, it's, it's different that it's so prevalent now and it's uh, mentioned throughout organizations and companies and all over TV. And yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Well, all? you know, growing up for me, Ben, I did remember learning about Black History Month in school, but it was never, we never dove deep into, you know, Sojourner Truth or Frederick Douglass or Marcus Garvey. Like they they stayed away from those figures who were a bit more controversial. And instead, I found a lot of the time I was learning about celebrities, you know, like Whitney Houston and Patti LaBelle and, you know, Denzel Washington. I was learning about, you know, their contributions in, in film and, and music. And and they're wonderful people, don't get me wrong, but the like the deep history, like slavery, you know, I I found that teachers and especially in high school, they didn't really dive deep into what black people experienced during that time. It wasn't until after I left school at left high school and on my own as an adult um, that I, you know, discover more of, of, of what we experienced. So it's kind of a watered down black history, unfortunately for me and in, in my in my youth it was you know mentioned and noted but i think it was more of a passing thing like february's black history month but there wasn't really any marker or activity or commemoration that i can remember in school growing up and it wasn't until i went to university and consciously started taking courses like african-american literature and then started doing literary study on my own uh, reading and researching about diaspora and the African-American experience in slavery um, that I became much more informed. And again, like you're saying, it was more in an American context than a Canadian one. It was always, oh, in America, they were slaves and they were treated badly. And then they came to Canada and they were free and all was good. And Black people were free here and they had no problems. And that's kind yeah. of... That's, that's kind of what I remember from high school. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much that, that uh, America was bad to be like really basic about it. America was bad and Canada was good. Yeah, when they came up through the Underground Railroad, it was all fine, which we now know was not the case. Yeah, and it, it's very interesting because uh, we're mentioning elementary and high school and uh, the fact that you learned more 
about black history, overall black history, when you were doing uh, post-secondary studies. And I have a very, <laughs> I would say, funny story where when I was in elementary school and high school, I I went to high school in Oakville, Ontario, and that's the suburbs, um, just uh, outside of Toronto in the GTA. And I don't even want to <laughs> admit this on the podcast, but it was almost pathetic with the Black history I was knowledgeable about, because just like you two are saying, I knew about all the the people in the States, Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, uh, celebrities. And I remember taking a class in at um, Ryerson University, known as, uh, what is it, MTU now? Metropolitan Toronto University. Yeah. <laughs> and it was themes of black history. And I took this class as a bridge from college to university. I need to take electives. So I remember going into that class being like, oh, I'm African. I know everything. I, I, I'm African background, West African. My parents always tell me these stories that I will excel so, so well in this class. And I remember sitting in this class and be like, wow, I knew nothing about <laughs> anything. Like, we're talking about the the apartheid and the Zulus and all these historic figures that range from Africa. And I felt embarrassed because I was like, no one taught me this. I did not know any of this, like, especially being a black, uh, black male from Ghanaian descent. So it just, it showed me that were they really teaching appropriate like history, black history. And mm -hmm. here's a black kid who didn't even know his own history and uh, history that surrounded myself. So I don't know. It, it was almost like, yo, this is, this is pathetic. This is sad. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had taken a course like that as you're talking, I'm like, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely sign up for sure. And actually they had Caribbean studies as well. And, Ooh, that would have been cool yeah that what so cool. you guys yeah. are acting like you can't go back to school for <laughs> continue education oh yes <laughs> no, school, we, we can. school is always there yeah i um, love learning me yes. too so me too. it is important I, I guess i shared about my uh experience with my curriculum growing up uh you and you both uh shedded briefly on your experiences with uh Black history curriculum in your environment. So would you both like to share like your environment, our Black history back in the day, elementary school, high school? Well, it's interesting, Ben, that, you know, growing up in an area of Toronto that maybe didn't have too many Black folks for yourself. I grew up in an area in Toronto where <laughs> It was predominantly Black and predominantly Caribbean or African descent. And Black history was still pretty much non-existent in, in the curriculum. And like I was saying earlier, it was, you know, we the U.S. was bad. Like we said, in Canada was good. And, and, and slaves were happy that they were no longer slaves. They were free and they had rights like everyone else. So, you know, it, it wasn't until I think... I was the last OAC class, so grade 13, I think it was grade 12, where we actually established in my high school um, a, a Black Students Association. And we went uh, 
down to um, to Chatham, Chatham, Ontario, and, and we and we actually got to learn more about what Black people experienced uh, coming in from the Underground Railroad, and and there was nothing that was taught in school. We had to actually do this on our own. We had to fundraise on our own. We had to plan on our own. Our school board, our 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 high school itself did not help us organize this trip. And what I got from that was going forward, even if I, you know, for myself and if I ever have children, it will be up to me to ensure that they know what it is they need to know about their history. Because unfortunately, our school systems are not going to teach our children or ourselves what it is that we need to know. We have to do it ourselves. And, and no one here is talking about a Black history class or mm-hmm. an African studies or Caribbean class outside of what you mentioned in university. Like where are these classes in elementary school and high school? Lately in the news, you're hearing that there will be a, uh, a First Nations course being taught in some elementary schools in the coming years, but no one's talking about a Black studies course being taught to, to our children. So you know, our history is meant to tell us where we have been, where we're going, but what history is actually showing us is that nothing is changing and our future is still up to us uh, in order to ensure that those coming after us um, are well-informed and well-aware because no one else is going to teach. Yeah, and I agree with you uh, completely. I, as I say, like my recollections of Black history and Black history education in elementary and high school are like very vague and very minimal or in passing I mean I remember in my education being one of like a small handful of either black or brown kids so it wasn't something that was emphasized or even dwelt upon to my recollection and yeah like most of my education about black history came in post-secondary or um, you know the things my family was reading you know, helped get me interested in in African-American literature and, and kind of drive that to see, you know, like, this is the other part of my history. This is the other part of my heritage, you know, as part of the Caribbean diaspora. So, yeah, I, I agree. And that leads me back to my initial statement, right? Like that it shouldn't just be relegated to a month. This is, this is also part of Canada's complicated, sordid, sometimes tragic history. So it should also be embedded and included in the curriculum that we teach, you know, the good, the bad, all of it contributes to who and what we are as a country. So it it should be included and not necessarily designated to one month out of the year because we don't stop being black after February 28th, right? Like it's, it's a lived experience. And so it should be woven into the fabric of Canadian history, I think. I totally agree. And I I love that suggestion, um, what you're saying, Nisha, uh, with producing uh, content for Black history within the school system. And I almost feel like I know the curriculum is stuffed. Like <laughs> the curriculum is, is definitely stuffed with so many different aspects. But the one thing and I still as we're talking it makes me rewind all the way to like grade 8 history and being so bored 
<laughs> sit in history class and being so extremely bored. And why is it not that there could be different sections and different units? So, okay, we have Canadian history, we have Black history, we have Indigenous history, we have world history. And just it it makes me think back on just the focus of European history. And I almost feel like I knew more about European history and 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 just everything except that indigenous and black history. And even when it was those stories, it would be these narratives that, oh, like Christopher Columbus did such a good job or <laughs> like Pearl Harbor and American I know Explorer. <laughs> exactly. And I know we're getting a little controversial, but no, that's 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 what it's all okay. about, right? These are our opinions, by the way. And I think it's so important to break up these these units and provide equal because we're all looking for equality and and inclusivity to break up these units and have these taught properly as well. Or you need to take it both and, right? Like, of course, yeah, I think when we were all in school, it was very much the colonial lens, right? Like you're saying, yes. the explorer, there was the explorer, there was contact. These are all the alleged great things that exploration did. These are all the alleged great impacts that colonizers had upon the people who had already inhabited the land that was already theirs, that was already colonized. I mean, I think we need to portray a balanced if at all possible, uh, depiction of history. Like, yeah, this this was colonialism. This was the impact of the colonizer. And then the response from the other side, like, you know, we need we need the history from the colonized. Um, you know, that that response, like you're saying, the indigenous response, the African Canadian, African American response to colonization. And I think that's what we get now in post secondary. But like Misha's saying, we need to have that more shared in elementary and high school so that there's a more well rounded depiction of of history and how that looks from everyone involved and everyone affected. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I almost feel like we could branch off another episode just talking about like history and colonization for sure. So uh, our resident historian Vivi will definitely, will definitely lead that episode because I just admitted on air I was falling asleep during history class uh, back in the day. So I, and I feel that, and I gave an example on when I was younger, how I felt like I didn't know enough about Black history. And and definitely, I'm going to ask, and I feel like this is kind of a close-ended question, but like, do you folks feel that you're, you're more educated now? Do you How do you feel about kind of that knowledge about Black history and the, the figures of Black history? Well, I feel educated because of the university courses that I took, and I read the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, and I read Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. Um, you know, I read Beloved and the historical documents that that novel was based on. So, I mean, I kind of, you know, made myself learn this past and this history. So I do feel I'm well-informed because of my 
university education. Um, but I mean, there's always more to learn. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it, it's definitely uh, very interesting to, and I, I like that vulnerability from all of us here where we're not professional, like we could easily just be like, yeah, I know everything about black <laughs> history and I'm, I'm a professional and I'm a historian, but you know what? That's why even what Nisha made mention, it's ongoing learning. It's ongoing yep. learning and it's worth it for sure. Well, there's different, there's different histories too, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be names and dates. Like there's different ways you can explore learning your history. Like I, I love to read. So I, I prefer to get my history lessons from books and through narratives and through literature like that. But I mean, you know, you can investigate the history of hip hop or the history of Caribbean cooking or the history of, um, you know, quilt making. There's so many histories that aren't found in books that, you know, are so valid in other ways of archiving and making records that that are still important to the preservation of culture. That it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to come from a book and sitting in a class. Mm -hmm. Very true. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally agree. So, even with that said, for uh, the knowledge that we have right now, and because it is um, Black History Month, and we're gonna we're gonna go on record, it's. It's Black History Year. <laughs> it's right. it's it's a Black History lifetime learning. But uh, just to educate those who are listening and want to learn a little bit more about Black figures and uh, who we look up to and, or what figures that we know of, is there any Black figures, uh, dead or alive, that you want to kind of give a shout out to on the podcast, especially when we're looking back at uh, Black History Month? Josephine Baker, look her up. <laughs> hey, okay. But now I'm curious. You got to give me a little bit, but I definitely look her up for sure. Okay. Well, she was an actress uh, and I forget which decade. See, this is why I take in my history in other forms rather than names or dates. She wasn't really successful in America as an African-American actress. She went to France. She made a career. She was a, a spy during World War II. She was friends with Grace Kelly. She had like a menagerie of animals. Um, yeah, she was amazing. I don't really have a favorite. Uh, I love, I love all black uh, historians, historical figures. Good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there, no, no, not trying to be like, yeah, you're beating around the bush. Is there anybody just kind of comes to mind? Uh, there's two that comes to mind. So the first is Madam C.J. Walker. And don't just go watch the Netflix <laughs> starring Octavia Spence, which is great. She's another, she's another hist history, uh, what do you call it? A uh, monumental figure in Black history, current Black history, but, um, Madam C.J. Walker, first Black millionaire for something all Black women love, hair care. Mm -hmm. She has her own hair care line and system of products. And yeah, really uh, did her thing back in the day. And I, <laughs> I'm going to say um, Malcolm X, um, 
and like many people in my age group, uh, they remember seeing Denzel Washington, <laughs> Malcolm X in X. And for the longest time, like he did such a good job in that movie. Like I thought he was Malcolm X because it's just, <laughs> it was just an amazing portrayal. And he too is just an amazing representation of our of our community. But just, um, just the things that he stood for and. Uh, and his beliefs and how he he revolutionized a, a time in in history. Whether you 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 agree with the, the teachings of the Nation of Islam or you, or you don't, you <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't disagree with with the man that Malcolm X was and what he managed to do as just one black man during that that time frame and how he mobilized an entire religious organization so yeah i'll stop there because this episode's getting a little controversial so- ah, controversy <laughs> is good Man, keeps, nisha's keeps stirring up the pots nisha the is, dialogue going nisha is stirring up the pots shy away the, from controversy the, the lens living diverse I mean, <laughs> yeah but no really great great individuals and uh even like nisha and bb alluded to it's it's just so many and everybody's always making history. I'm just gonna say things that ones that pop out of my head. Uh so uh definitely John Ware. The and I this pops out of my head and I really like this one because no one associates like a black cowboy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um everybody's always thinking like oh like you, know, you have all these cowboys where black people had nothing to do with um hurting and with uh, anything to do with those days but like you have someone like a John Ware who I believe he went through Calgary and he um, was a herder and he owned his own ranch and it's just like whoa like seeing that 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 definitely shakes up everything when we do think about black people and uh, someone like Elijah McCoy who was an inventor and when you we look at um i guess discrimination and we look at prejudice and we look at um uh what you call it, like white supremacy you have here where it's the belief about black people where black people did not contribute to society and then you have this inventor where you wouldn't even be able to <laughs> go on a train <laughs> without this inventor or i mm-hmm. uh, it, like things wouldn't even be prevalent like even the individual and i have to remember his name the individual who invented the stoplight was a, a black individual and you have these beliefs that oh i'm like wow like i have this mindset of supremacy and like i said half of these things wouldn't be here if it wasn't for these inventors so I feel like it's it's very important. You have and and Viva, and Viva, Vivi. <laughs> <laughs> My alter name. ego, Viva. <laughs> your new your new alter ego for the lens, Viva. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like classical music individuals like what Portia White, and then um, who's that other gentleman? He was a classical classical oh, now pianist you're putting, now you're putting me on the spot uh putting on spot but definitely see this provides the the listeners to search uh 
so you you have all these individuals like and then you have Marianne Shad who was um, a journalist and the one thing I love about revisiting this revisiting this history is not putting black people in boxes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thinking that we just made our history off of entertainers or sports or or fashion or anything else it's it's a vast look at our history and what we are becoming and how we shouldn't be put in boxes on what black people can do you know what worries me bad is as you're talking about it, i was thinking about something a good friend of mine told me the other day she has two small children who are in elementary school in in toronto and this was last black history month i should ask her about this year but last year her son came home and he was given a list of black historical, I'm using air quotes, historical figures, and to pick one to write a paper on. And on that list was Drake, LeBron James, Little Wayne, uh, a couple of other basketball and baseball players. And that was considered to be Black history. Mm-hmm. And, and she was so upset. <laughs> She wrote the teacher an email saying that my son will pick from a list that she had and will present to the class. And and that's what worries me. Like this is our future, right? And that we're we're talking about. And and yeah, we're we're having this wonderful conversation about what we hope black history will, will become. But you know, right now we're seeing that our generation now might not be getting what it is that they need in order for their lives to be different than ours when it comes to how they learn Black history. And part of me wonders if that was not an attempt to like make Black history irrelevant because I'm like, you know, people will say, well, slavery was 400 years ago, right? Like, why should we care about it now? Which we still should. But I mean, the argument is there is because it happened, because it existed. So I'm wondering, yeah, that was the attempt to kind of make Black history relevant to a younger generation. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Nisha, like we still need to look further back to, you know, how this all came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Noah, and I had a conversation with uh, friends as well about um, the focus of even, what, what did they say? Black success, right? And I believe because you have entertainers, you have sports stars, they're in the forefront. And just just like with anything, like when you're a celebrity, that's success, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people are all thinking. Everybody wants to be this, this, and this. But I, and not to even knock on people who are hip hop artists and basketball players because y'all, you know, they're hustle. <laughs> That's a huge hustle or entertainers, right? That's that's still very huge. But I believe the mistake that has been made is we have to look at people who are in the background, right? And we can't just totally uh, put people in boxes where this is what Black people have to do. We have to give people options where... Like if you want to be a CEO, a black CEO, if you want to be, um, you know, own your own business, if you want to be a historian, a playwright, you you know what I mean? And I think that's the biggest problem, especially what was happening with that situation. 
And I'm going to go into the next question. And I, I feel that's so important because we're all on this earth with people who are, are different, right? So uh, that brings up our favorite word allyship. And I know me, Vivi, and uh, Kat on previous episodes, we we want to change it to supportive. supporters. What was it, Vivi? Supporters? Yeah, I think so. I think it was supporters. Yeah, supporters. So we, we might ban that word. Allyship, <laughs> maybe it, we might bleep it out. So, uh, the beautiful thing about um, being a supporter is uh, the fact that just like the word, you're able to support a community that you might not be a part of. Uh, so, uh, what is your perspective on being a supporter in terms of delivering um, Black History Month? So, uh, I know we had a discussion between uh, us three and probably with other people where when it's Black History Month events going on, people like to turn to Black people in organizing the events and uh, coordinating it. So uh, your experiences and your thoughts about uh, that. I really think that supporters, I like that you changed the word, supporters, should really uh, do their own work in terms of reading about what Black history has been, um, knowing, you know, the different historians, influencers, monumental figures, and not just rely on us as Black people to, to educate them or to tell them what they need to know. Take the time for yourself and, you know, do the research, do the work show that you're interested, show that you want to know and you don't just want to know because it's Black History Month and then after February 28th, you're you're done. But also when you're in the space of planning and, and uh, programming for events, don't just rely on Black people to do the Black History events. You know, you could come to us to make sure you're on the right track or to help. Um, but don't feel it should be on us. I know that, you know, people outside of our community are nervous. They're like, well, you know, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. And I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that empathy and compassion. But still, in order for us to grow and for things to change, you really have to take some some leadership and, you know, plan things that you know will be appropriate and you know that will get the kind of positive response that is needed during this time. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's a delicate balance with asking questions like relying on the Black person in your community to be the know-all and end-all for all answers because, of course, everybody is different and what works or what is right for one Black person may not work or be right for another Black person. So I think there should be discretion in asking questions and seeking advice. And of course, if you don't know, ask. But again, yeah, you can take initiative to educate yourself. There are lots of resources out there and don't expect, you know, one Black person to be the keeper of all knowledge about all things Black history. Yeah, and I definitely agree. I definitely agree with both. And I, I'm i a firm believer about um, consultation, for sure. And mm -hmm. um, just like we're saying, not everything's in a book. 
uh definitely this be and i don't want to sound make this sound contradictory to what vivi's saying and asking a black person but then at the same time there's always people who are willing to to share right always people who are willing to guide and make that a collaboration for sure, instead of just putting it on uh, just a single person, hey, we have a Black person who works at this organization, they could plan it. And I, I think it's very important. And what I believe as a human being, I'm starting to learn as a supporter as well, where uh, if I'm a true supporter, I'm there to collaborate. I'm there for the, the community who is uh, trying to get the trying to 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 get that information across I'm there for them so I I would definitely like the same respect when it does come to black history where I don't have someone talking for me and I don't have someone putting their ideas uh for myself or the community but collaborating and getting that true information the true authentic information exactly and as a supporter like the simplest question, you can ask is sometimes the most profound. If you don't know, perfect opportunity to say, in what way can I support you in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what it is. And that's why we use the word supporters because it's it's that support it's to make uh, a fellow individual stronger. So it's so important. So I definitely with organizations or even just friends, just kind of having that uh kind of that respect as well. So we are rounding up uh, this episode, very profound episode and very thought provoking. I came in here thinking, yeah, I'm talking about black history, but so much wealth of information by yourself, Vivi and Nisha. Um, just kind of going into our last question, just your, your last thoughts, and we touched upon this a little bit, your last thoughts about uh, Black History Month within uh, organizations that you've been a part of uh, in the past or just even in general, like putting that uh, awareness about Black History Month. You know, what's interesting is that, and I'm thinking about my previous work experiences, and I don't really think, and this is on me as well, but I didn't feel that there was it was a safe space in order to bring up what are we doing for Black history. Um, so I didn't, I didn't bring it up. Um, but now in the position that I'm in, I feel like I have the support, the position I'm in with my organization, I feel like I have the support I have from both my colleagues and, and, and management to, to do things internally and externally for both for, so for both staff and for participants and not just during black history month but year round you know which is which is great like making positive change to show like what vivi had said earlier it should be 365 days and not just mm -hmm. from february 1st to february 28th so i'll stick with you know how i'm experiencing experiencing things now that they're you know it's it's a positive thing and um yeah I'm, I'm i'm grateful for the uh the support that i have moving forward and i would say it's great that uh our organization 
acknowledges it and draws attention to it and encourages us to celebrate it and often provides resources for, you know, ways you can do your history research, acknowledge and celebrate. Um, I also appreciate that, you know, idea, you know, the D and idea is diversity is part of our workplace culture. And there is an emphasis on, you know, incorporating that into our, our daily operations and our organizational function and our service delivery. And uh, like Alicia, allu Alicia alluded to, um, even among our colleagues, like spreading that awareness and support and having the opportunity to go beyond just a month and incorporate it into the workplace atmosphere. I, I feel really appreciative um, that we get to do that and that it is supported in our workplace. So even at the beginning of this episode, we're talking about curriculum and we're talking about when we were younger, it wasn't as publicized. So it does warm my heart, the fact that it is being spoken about and the fact that we are bleeding through February and making it all year round or attempting to make it all year round. And I, I just feel like in my stance, I was thinking about it a little bit earlier about Black History Month, because I, I used to think I was just like, it's just a month. But mm -hmm. the one thing that is a silver lining, I look at it as someone's birthday, right? So oh. you have someone's birthday where you you know the person 365 days a year, but when their birthday comes around, you give them that extra attention and that extra special special sauce and making them feel appreciated that day. So when I think about Black History Month, I feel that it's someone's birthday. We're giving it that extra sauce for that month, but we still appreciate uh, the historical figures and what Black individuals are contributing 365 days a year, but just that extra sauce in February, right? <laughs> so I hope that's a perspective that people can look at. And I hope that it, it day, maybe two months of Black History Month or three months, just every, <laughs> just all the time, celebration all the time. And I, as a, a Black person, I will definitely um, push for the history and then uh, push for that as well. So that's kind of my perspective and my outlook on it. And today's episode of The Lens I, I just love it because we're getting authentic, transparent opinions. And I just want to say before we uh, sign off that, hey, I'm standing with two people who who are uh, part of Black history and making a big impact as well in the present, oh. for sure. So nice, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> so are you, Ben. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're making yeah, history I, with this podcast exactly i was just gonna say that is what the lens is doing history in the making exactly i gotta earn it but <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but Noah, i i just want to thank you both for having this discussion and for even the listeners and i hope that the listeners have taken away a lot from this conversation I just want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode of The Lens Living Diverse. Very meaningful episode for meaningful discussions. Uh, I almost feel that 
this should trigger some discussions as well. And uh, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can listen to it on any platform, including YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to learn more about DNI, you could visit the CNIB webpage, Advocacy, and then click on We Are CNIB. Once again, Advocacy, We Are CNIB. Or if you have any feedback or if you want to be a part of any episode with The Lens Living Diverse, email advocacy at cnib.ca. Once again, advocacy at cnib.ca. So we are going to sign off this very special episode. I was one of your hosts, Ben, joined by my co-host, Vivi. Bye, everybody. See you next time. And my other fellow amazing co-host, Nisha. Bye, everyone. Happy Black History Month. See you next time. Happy Black History Month.